as we were putting this uh, panel discussion together, um, we thought about a couple of ideas uh, related to ministry. Uh, you probably are aware of the statistics that, you know, it's I think less than two years is the average stay of a pastor in a church. And sometimes those things fluctuate, uh, those numbers do, but it usually hangs around that time. And um, so we thought it'd be good for you to hear from some guys who have gone well beyond those two years in ministry and various pastorates and um, just hear how that has worked for them. Uh, maybe some keys to a successful stay in a ministry and even a successful start to a ministry. Uh, sometimes you get into a pastorate and you wonder, okay, how do I start this thing? And how do I get this going? What are some good things to do? And I think you'll hear some of that uh, here today. And uh, so we've invited five pastors uh, to come and, and speak to you today. And, um, and so a while ago we were in our room and I had numbers and they drew numbers to decide who would go first. All right, so we're just doing it in that order uh, that they chose. And um, it's the elect order. It's, you know, chosen <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but today I want to start um, with Dr. Mike Miller. Um, he and his wife, Terry, uh, have been here in Jacksonville for five years. He is pastor of Central Baptist Church uh, here in Jacksonville. They have three kids and four grandkids. Uh, prior to coming here, he was uh, pastor of New Orleans and, and did some teaching down there. And he's done some teaching for us, uh, adjunct. And so we're glad to have him as, as part of our uh, BMA seminary. So I've asked each of these guys to kind of give an opening uh, statement you know, regarding their longevity in ministry or anything that they feel led to share in regards to that. And so Dr. Mike, why don't you start us off? And the first should be last, right? <laughs> I think I would have been more comfortable had the question been, what should you not do in ministry? Because I have story after story after story, some of the best lessons I've learned. And, you know, when I was first asked to sit on the panel, Dr. Pellick said we're going to talk about uh, finishing well, about longevity. And as I started thinking about that, I thought, well, I don't know, I haven't finished yet. And honestly, I, I pray to finish well. You know, I'm hoping I have another 15, 20 years in me. Um, but I don't know. And I know guys older than me who have not made it to the finish line. And that's one of the things that drives me to my face early in the morning as I pray, Lord, don't let me be stupid. And don't let me do anything reckless because it, it's there. And, and, um, and so as far as, lasting, as far as lasting as long as I have, which has been 29 years or so, um, the things, you know, I've done some things poorly, I've done some things well, but I think the best things probably is, is having real accountability in my life. And I'm sure you've all seen a lot of the headlines of some of the big mega pastors, the well-known pastors who have fallen. I don't know if you, how many of you have listened to the, the podcast about Mark Driscoll, but so many of these guys call their circles and they get rid of anybody who will speak honestly to them. And what they want around them is people who will just puff them up and be yes men and do whatever they tell them and agree with anything they say. And they start believing their own press. And I think that's just deadly. And 
his book lectures, my student Charles Spurgeon has a, cha a, a chapter titled One Blind Eye, One Deaf Ear. And he says, in your ministry, you're going to have uh, some people in whose eyes you can do no wrong. Everything you do is right. And you're going to have people in whose eyes you can do no right. Everything you do is wrong. And he says, don't listen to either of those because neither of them knows what they're talking about. <laughs> and so, you know, I think we've got to be intentional in building accountability, uh, local accountability. You know, like one mega pastor right now says, I have accountability workers. They're all in different cities. And I need people who can see me day in and day out and look in my eyes and get to know me. And, um, and there has to be a vulnerability there. And there needs to be guys on my field where when I'm, when I'm talking about leading in a certain direction, making change, um, we just went through a major church discipline issue where we had to excommunicate somebody. And I've got a couple of leaders that you know I walk with through these things intentionally. Before I take the next step, hey guys, check my heart. Make sure we're doing things right here. Don't, don't let me run off a cliff. And so I think having those guys um, is just really important. The problem is sometimes they tell you stuff you don't want to hear. You know, hey, I think we should do this. No. Like, I think that's just dangerous. You don't want to do that. And so having that, and of course, you know, more than anything, just staying tethered to Jesus. And so, you know, we talk leadership principles all day long, and there are some tried and true leadership principles, but we're all different leaders, too. Um, but, uh, man, if you're not staying tethered to Jesus, and we can delude ourselves into thinking that studying for a sermon is spending time with the Lord. By the way, I hope that you're walking with the Lord as you're prepping your sermons, as you're writing your sermons. But, you know, just having that time when you get along with the Lord and you get honest with Him and maintaining your own spiritual walk. I think if you don't maintain your own spiritual walk, uh, it's just going to be disaster. And then just a quick thing I would say, you, you've got to, just don't take yourself too seriously. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself because you're going to do some, you're, I hate to tell you young guys this, you're going to do some ridiculous things. Am I right? <laughs> you're going to do some things, you're going to look back on when you're at our stage and say, I don't even want to tell that story. And you just have to get to the place where you can just put that stuff behind you and laugh about it and move on and learn from it. So. I guess that's all I have for that. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Miller, and, and certainly accountability, you know, very, very important. And uh, just maintaining your spiritual walk is going to help you uh, not just in ministry, but in many areas of your life. And so thank you. Uh, next we have um, Brother Eric Johnson, uh, who's also here in Jacksonville, and he is just finishing his first year as a pastor of First Baptist Church. Uh, here in uh, Jacksonville and so his, I think his family's here his wife Kelly and their three children are here so we're glad uh, that they are with us today and uh, brother Eric uh, born in Mexico I believe and and his father was a missionary to Mexico and, and brother Eric became a missionary in Mexico uh, for eight years and then he became the international missions director for the BMA and he's done that for five years and uh, now he's here at uh, First Baptist Church. And uh, so, Brother Eric, share with us uh, some things. Yes. So, uh, Brother Mike really stole my, my initial line, right? Uh, I'm reading those. Yeah, right. I don't have any notes, right? So, line. so uh, the, the grace of God, uh, I consider myself here definitely the least among my brethren, right? But in any ministry where I've been able to serve, it's just been amazing to see God do the work. Uh, in spite of 
mistakes that we make, right? So, so really, I just want to talk about a few maybe practical things that uh, have been a blessing in, in my life and my ministry and different uh, the different uh, categories of ministry, whether it's missions or pastoring a church or, or, or serving in the missions office, those kinds of things. Number one, if I could give you a piece of advice, uh, if you're if you're not married, then choose well. Yeah. Uh, and if you are married, praise the Lord for your wife. Yeah. Listen, Kelly has been more than half of my ministry. She is a, a great, great part, great help me. And you can't, you can't, you can't factor that in uh, in any way that is. Uh, uh, you, you just can't qualify that enough, right? Uh, your wife, your spouse is incredibly important in ministry. Kelly's a great example of a of a minister's wife. Uh, she just gets in there and, and loves people and helps and serves. And at, along with that, uh, include your family in ministry. Don't don't try to isolate them from what the Lord is doing in the local church where you serve. But include them. Make them a part of that. You have to sort of get comfortable with the sometimes rambunctiousness or whatever children might bring to the table with that. But it's a great blessing to have a family that serves the Lord in ministry. And that's not just the pastor's family, but the church learns from that and include their children in, in ministry. Make the church comfortable uh, with that. And then sort of, I've, I've been pastor at First Baptist for a year. And uh, if I could sort of... I didn't plan this necessarily, but I think that uh, one piece of advice going into a new ministry, a new church, a new pastorate, don't try to change everything overnight. Don't, don't try to get fancy, right? Uh, uh, it seems like every third year or fourth year, there's a new book comes out that tells you have, how you have to do ministry, right? Uh, there's certainly a lot of, man, not a week goes by, and I'm sure that's true with any pastor here, but that I don't hear from a friend that's a pastor it's really struggling because of something that's unique to our culture right now or something in their church. A lot of problems, a lot of issues. Uh, it's a very ecumenical world, and that sort of brings issues into the church. It's a very feminist world, and that brings issues into the church. And so uh, addressing those things and yet not trying to reinvent the wheel in any way, I try to go back to the Scripture in everything we do. Uh, the Bible says... This was written, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy, that these things are written so that you might know how to behave in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. That, that's where we need to go. And the scripture, I mean, it's, again, nothing fancy, nothing new. Uh, we go back to the same things that the Lord entrusted his church when he was here and that the apostles taught. Uh, spiritual disciplines and establishing those in the church in evangelism. Uh, teaching people to really love people and want to share the gospel with their community and with the world and trying to uh, indoctrinate the church in those things, the Great Commission. Uh, discipleship is probably one of the most challenging things mm -hmm. to teach people that we're to be making disciples. Uh, a long time ago, I think Dr. Atterbury made, made us read this book, uh, The Lost Art of Disciple Making, right? But there's a statement in that book that says that a lot of people don't know how to disciple because they were never right. discipled themselves. Right. So, so teaching discipleship and, and discipling people, and that's, that's not the, the sort of public picture of what you see a pastor. You see him as a preacher. You see him as you know, the, the upfront face. But really, most of the work of the ministry is done behind 
uh, the scenes. It's done personally. It's done one-on-one -on -one with people walking through their problems, walking through their sin, uh, and then discipling them in the things that the Lord told us to do. That the church be a church of prayer. I mean, look, look, things that you already know and things that the world might say are, are secondary or insignificant, those things are primary. The things that the Lord told us to do in the church. So, so I don't know. I don't know about longevity. I have, I've only been at First Baptist uh, a year. And the Lord's blessing. And, he's, and we try to make the, the scripture central. And we want to preach the word. And we want the church to live the word. Uh, and, and hold that before our people all the time. So really, I, I try to boil it down to some simple statements, right? And I say these two things are central in everything we do. We want to preach the Word, and we want to love people. Yeah, that's right. Really, if you put those two things together, it encompasses everything that we do, whether it's discipleship or evangelism or preaching, uh, fellowship, all of those things. And then, that really, the Bible, if you boil it all down, it points us to two things that a church ought to do, and that's to evangelize the lost and to edify the body of Christ and the work of the ministry. So, so in, in a very simple, very try-to-be, biblical way, I think when we get out of that is when we start having a lot of issues that uh, really were unnecessary, right? And trying to bring us always back to those things would be uh, something that I try to live by. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Brother Johnson and great advice just simple things to think about uh, you know keeping that word central and loving your people and uh, sometimes that can be a challenge but we're called to love uh, our people and show them that you know very consistently so I think those are good things and, and certainly his first word of advice uh, don't go in there and turn everything upside down <laughs> um, I think that's probably the downfall of many uh, maybe first time or second time pastors and why they don't stay very long is uh, they just try to upset the apple cart uh, too soon there. Alright. Well, we also have uh, here with us today Dr. David Powell. Uh, also here in the Jacksonville area. Uh, he pastors out at Acton Grove uh, Baptist Church uh, where he has served for right around 30 years. And uh, so he's been there for a very long time. His wife's name is Rosemary. Uh, they have three kids, seven grandkids, and seven great-grandkids. And uh, I know you, you look at it and say, how, how's that possible? <laughs> but uh, he looks so young. Uh, but he's, uh, he's actually a third-generation uh, pastor, right? And uh, so there's been a lot of pastors in his family. And uh, he's been pastoring. He pastored several churches before coming uh, to Afton Grove. Uh, but he came here, I think, to go to the seminary and uh, was going to go. He was going to visit all 20 churches in the Cherokee Baptist Association. He was just going to go alphabetically, and Afton Grove was the first one. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's where he landed. He started preaching there, and they eventually asked him to be uh, their pastor. And uh, so, uh, Dr. Howell, why don't you share with us a few things? Well, uh, as uh, Brother Eric said, uh, that uh, brother he that brother Miller stole his number. I can't even talk. Uh, you stole my number. <laughs> I was going to talk about my wife. Uh, I, I, I am going to talk about her. I'm going to show you two things. Uh, number one, this little brown book is my sermon book from 1978. Uh, I don't know why that uh, the Lord 
had me do this on did for about six months but I uh, kept my sermon outlines from 1978 first church that I pastored uh, 44 years ago it's got actually has two sermons in it from before I became the pastor there and then uh, the, the first sermon that uh, preached when I was the, the pastor there a little church that had 17 members and uh, the Lord blessed and uh, the Lord blessed because not because of what I knew but because of what I didn't know and uh, we did a lot of things wrong and uh, we did a couple things right and the thing that we did uh, was this uh, my wife is my ministry partner and uh, without Sister Rosemary there wouldn't be a Brother David and I can tell you that without reservation I promise you that uh, I would have been out of the ministry a long 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 time ago but it hadn't been for Sister Rosemary and so uh, I give her the credit and I give God the glory because she helps me so much and does so to this day. And then the second book that I have with me is a very practical little book. Uh, when we got to Jacksonville, uh, we did exactly what uh, Dr. Helwig uh, said. We started at Acton Grove and then uh, we were going to go down the list and we are going to go to Enterprise, we can go to Calvary, we can go to First Baptist, we can go to everywhere, and then we're going to decide where the Lord wanted us. Well, the Lord decided first. And so uh, when we went back to Grove, I uh, went there and preached just to fill the pulpit that first Sunday. And then uh, after that, they asked, Hey, we don't have a pastor, could you help us a little bit? And I said, Sure. And so we, we ministered to the church before uh, I became the pastor. And so uh, I will tell you that my secret to ministry is I'm a common man. Uh, I'm not I'm not a special dude. I'm not even though I have a doctorate. I, I I don't worry about that. I don't introduce myself as Dr. Allen or anything like that. I'm Brother David, and so my people know me, and I know them. Uh, I've been in their homes. I go to their homes on a regular basis. Uh, I, I witness with them. I pray with them. I, I, uh, I just fellowship with them. I love them. And uh, they in return have loved me in return. And uh, so I, I'm glad that the Lord called me into the ministry. But uh, I will tell you one little story about the first church that I pastored. We decided we were going to be, build a little... We were growing, so we needed a little space for Sunday school. And it was 24 by 24, 576 feet. I know because I poured every inch of concrete by hand. And so I know. And so the thing that we did is one of those mistakes we made, Brother Mike. Uh, we voted, and I said, okay, church, if we're going to do this, we are going to do it. I'm not going to do it by myself. We're going to do it. And everybody said, yes, yes, we'll do it, we'll do it, yes, we will. And so we got ready to pour the concrete, and there were three of us that showed up. And so we were doing it by hand, and, and we got half of it done. And uh, we finally got it to where it was dried in. I was on the top of the building, and a guy pulled into our parking lot, and he and I'm up there on, on, the, on the top of the building by myself, doing shingles, you know, roofing. I've never roofed in my life until I, until I was that good. And so this guy climbs the, climbs the ladder, gets up there with me, sits down, and he said, are you the pastor of this church? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, well, I'm the pastor of the Independent Baptist Church down the road. 
He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm shingling. He said, that's what I mean. He said, what are you going to do with this church? I said, I don't understand the question. <laughs> he said, do you intend to stay here? That's why I really had thought about that. He said, you need to stay. He said, if any of these hard-headed people try to run you off, you run them off. <laughs> Can I tell you, I'm, I'm proud to tell you that I did not take his advice. I did stay for six years, but I didn't run anybody off, at least not on purpose. Uh, you'll, run people, you'll run people off anyway without trying to, but you know, I never did run anyone off on purpose. But I did purpose to stay as long as the Lord wanted me to stay. And the same thing with Acton Grove. Uh, when we got here and it became evident, uh, I was called as their interim pastor. So uh, we stayed a little bit longer than interim. And uh, so I will say this. When the Lord calls you, make up your mind that you're going to stay. And just stay. Stay as long as the Lord allows you to stay. Stay as long as the Lord wants you to stay. Don't stay a day longer than the Lord wants you to stay. But when the Lord wants you to go, then go. Amen. Yeah, thank you very much, <coughs> Brother David. We'll call you what you prefer there, yeah. And I uh, appreciate your words there. We're kind of hearing a theme of the family up here. Uh, these guys thankful for their wives and their children. And it's so very important. In fact, it's one of the qualifications of a of a pastor, right? Is that he be able to manage his household well. And that he has a family that can come along and, and do ministry with him. And that's a very, very uh, important. I appreciate you guys uh, mentioning that. Uh, next, we have uh, Dr. James Johnson right over here to my right. And uh, he's originally from Carthage, Texas. Just up the road here just a little bit. His wife's name is uh, Tamara. And they have two children and one grandchild. I think you played with that grandchild last night, didn't you? All right. And uh, so I know he's thankful for that. Uh, he is the pastor of Pleasant Grove Baptist Church in Tyler. And uh, he's been there for about 18 years. Is that correct? And uh, so we've got some longevity there uh, in that church. And so, uh, Dr. Johnson, why don't you just share with us? Thanks. Okay, thanks for allowing me to come and share. I just jotted down uh, now all of these that I'm, I'm going to tell you are Dr. Holmes' notes. <laughs> so, all right. First of all, I got on here to... Um, Maintain a healthy, consistent fellowship with God. Yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the mistakes is to try to grow a church without you growing personally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, as how can you expect for the Word of God to be effective in the lives of the church, and there's no change in you? Because as the word, after word, as the word God changes us, then we are, it's confirmation that the word does work. Therefore, it uh, increases our uh, confidence in preaching the word because we see it working in our own lives. Uh, so maintain a consistent fellowship with God. Uh, number two, don't attempt to manufacture results. The results in your ministry. Don't try to make things happen. One of the <clears throat> 
one of my biggest issues was when it came to growing a church. Uh, I, I tried the uh, flashing lights and smoking mirrors <laughs> to, to try to get the church to grow, only to realize that I'm not capable of growing a church. That's right. Amen. Uh, so how you, when you leave the results of, up to God, then uh, you'll be less disappointed because sometimes we want a hundred, but God only wants ten there. And he wants you to grow those ten personally first so that, uh, so if you have ten and then ninety show up and nobody is mature, then you end up with five after they run everybody off. <laughs> okay. Um, faithfully preach the scriptures. Amen. Faithfully preach the scriptures. Uh, one of the biggest um, hurdles in my context, ministry context, is was not to let culture affect how I preach. Uh, and that's, that goes beyond, that's just not a black thing. That's a white, yeah. Hispanic, Chinese, every uh, nationality a thing that all of us have to be careful not to let what's acceptable in our culture cause us to make uh, change the scriptures oh, in order to fit our culture. So sometimes you have to be, it's kind of like being married. Uh, my, my two children are, um, they're um, stepkids, but not stepkids, but um, <clears throat> I had to be okay with being the bad guy in the room. <laughs> That's right. I had to learn to be comfortable with that. And so at your church, um, don't be cheap and let culture bully you yeah. into altering scriptures. Amen. Regardless of who has the money in your church, because uh, one thing uh, we have to all be honest about is there's always somebody in the church that has more money than you and has more ideas and agendas than you, and they want to push them through you. Well, you can't let um, having a loaf of bread on your table determine how you're going to preach. Yeah. Um, number four, know that God has called you to the pastor. Amen. Know, know that God has called you to the pastor. You, you have to have confidence in the fact that God has called you. Not people, yeah. not your parents, not the seminary. Amen. <laughs> After all, seminary, um, what, what I like to look at is this. Seminary is just where you get your axe sharpened. Yeah, that's right. You have to have an axe when you come here. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Holmes and Dr. Parsons and all the other, Dr. Atterbury, everybody helps sharpen your axe. Okay? Um, Do I got 30 seconds here? Uh, yeah. Okay. Listen, uh, number five. I heard Dr. Matt King Carter say this out of Florida. He's passed on now. He says that you cannot out-preach your life. Amen. In other words, we were talk, they were talking about accountability earlier. Um, it, it's one thing to preach and want everybody else to get it. But you have to let righteousness reign in you. Okay? All right, and then number six is this right here. I put this, 
do not turn the strange people away. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a lot of times, I tell you this story, fun story. As my church began to grow, I had the privilege of going to preach a whole lot everywhere. So uh, I took my choir with me to a um, to a service. So um, at this time, my choir had people. Uh, we were a very colorful choir. There was some red hair, blue hair, green hair. I mean, this is like some of the ladies in my choir got together and said, we're going to pick every color except our natural hair. <laughs> and we're going to wear that. And so when they came in, it was traditional church. I sat in the back, and uh, the pastor and I went out to the pulpit. I'm getting ready to get a preaching these little men and said, hey, man, he said, Man, you got a lot of strange people. <laughs> and I said to him, he had earlier talked to me about how many people were not coming to his church and how evangelism wasn't happening at his church. And I said back to him, I said, man, you have a lot of colorful pews <laughs> in this church. I said that to say this, you can't clean fish that you never caught. Hell yeah, I like that. <clears throat> and most people now major in cleaning fish that are not caught. You have to let them come the way they are yeah. and teach them out of their foolishness. <laughs> you can't fuss it out of them. You can't make people change. But you can't encourage them through the word of God to change. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that very much. And uh, Another theme I think I'm picking up on with these guys is, you know, the importance of a healthy walk with the Lord. You know, think about it as a pastor, you're, you're teaching, you're preaching three, four times a week at least. And uh, so you're constantly preparing sermons. And so you might be thinking, well, I'm in the Word. I'm in the Word all the time. How can I not be close to the Lord? But you can be preaching sermons after sermon after sermon and still not be close. Yep to the Lord. You've got to let that Word speak to you. And so you need time in the Word just for you. Uh, where you can grow, where you can mature. Because that's only going to make you a better presenter of God's Word and really a better pastor uh, to your people. And so don't let your sermon preparation be your devotional time. Amen. Uh, sometimes you have to find a way to separate those two out. And uh, it's, it's tough because I mean it's a busy schedule uh, as a pastor. But, but really you know, think about your walk, your prayer life uh, with the Lord. Very, very important. All right, last but not least, we have down here uh, Dr. Eric Goble. And uh, by the way, several of these guys are graduates of our seminaries. Dr. Eric is, and uh, James Johnson, and Eric Johnson, and David Hallam, uh, graduates here. And so we're grateful for that. And of course, we've got an adjunct professor, so we, we're claiming right here. So, and uh, so everybody's a part what we're doing here, but uh, Dr. Eric is pastor of Brister Baptist Church and um, been there about 40 years. Uh, he had one little stint, I think for about 18 months, yeah. where he went to First Baptist Church in Gurdon, but then uh, Brister called him back. That's right. They didn't let him go after that. Yeah, they said so. stay here till you get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so he has been pastor of that church for a long time. He's had a great uh, ministry there. We're Thankful for Brother Joe Owens that came with him uh, today. They travel 
so he's coming from Arkansas, so he gets the prize for the longest trip here today, about three hours uh, to get here. But um, uh, Dr. Cole will share with us some things. I appreciate the opportunity to share a few things with you about uh, when he said longevity in the pastorate. And I think all the guys have been in a pastorate for a long time up here. Uh, unfortunately, we can't give you a five-step process of, of what it takes. But I have looked back over as you uh, uh, asked me to come and begin to kind of see some patterns uh, and some things that have happened in, in my ministry and, and maybe some things we can share with you. Uh, let me just say this up front. Number one, don't be afraid of the rural church. Amen. Yeah. yeah. My church is three or four miles from the nearest town. The population of that town is 200 and something. Uh, and uh, we're growing a church and a ministry that's active in missions all over the world. And God can do something in the country. And a lot of times guys are afraid to go to a small town. Yeah. Of course, Magnolia is uh, 10 miles away. It's a population of about 10,000. That's the county seat. But the whole county is a rural county. Don't be afraid of that. Number two, a vocational ministry does not have to be a stepping stone to another church. Amen. Amen. When I came to Bristol Baptist Church, I was bivocational out of necessity. I worked 30 to 40 uh, hours a week at a storm door plant. Then came home every day, and Sunday's coming. Yep. <laughs> then Wednesday's coming. Then Sunday's coming. It was Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, four times a week. Yeah. It's coming. And it was bivocational out of necessity. The church has since grown to the point where they pay an adequate salary. However, I'm still somewhat bivocational in that years ago I was uh, came from the Stone Grove plant, came on staff at Lewis Funeral Home there in Magnolia. And the church has graciously allowed me to keep one foot in the funeral home uh, because it does open a lot of doors to ministries just on a call-in basis. But a lot of people are afraid of a bivocational ministry. If you go to a bivocational church, you just think, well, I'm just going to be here until a bigger church calls me. You can't grow any church. God can grow any church. But let me just tell you the things that I've, I've seen that are important. Uh, when Jesus talked to Peter on the shores of Galilee and said, do you really love me? He said, feed my sheep. Yeah. Then he asked him the question again. And then Peter said, you know I love you. And he said to shepherd my sheep. Right. Feed my sheep and shepherd my sheep. Paul told the uh, Ephesian elders to keep your mind on the flock. So we're, we're looking at sheep here. And uh, I've never had to tend to sheep, but I've had to tend to Baptist. And a scholar once said this, if sheep are not properly fed, they'll get anxious, agitated, irritable, combative, and restless. When they are properly fed, They'll be restful, 
and cooperative and productive. Feed the sheep. First and number one, do the work. Provide quality biblical preaching. And that's maybe easy for a couple of weeks. The Sunday's coming. 52 Sundays out of, the, out of the year. It's coming. And it's going to take work. The reason I came down to the seminary, I was approaching about my 30th year. I was 20-something years at Bristol in my 30th year, and it began to occur to me my preaching was getting thin. I was pretty much self-taught. I was bivocational. I just jumped right in there and started pastoring a church. And my preaching was getting thin, and I could feel it. I could tell it. And I knew then if I was going to stay, I was going to have to dig down. So I started coming to the seminary, and I drove down here every week. I just took two or three classes uh, a day. A lot of times I'd come Monday night, do the, the Tuesday all-day thing, and then drive back. It's one of the best decisions I ever made. Of course, you're already ahead because you're here. But it's going to take work to preach quality sermons Sunday after Sunday, and that's one of the keys to longevity. I like what Brother David, uh, Brother uh, uh, Jim here, James here said, you can't gimmick your way into growth, can you? You can't gimmick your way into growth. I remember when I first started at Bristol, some of the area pastors would tell me, hey, brother, what you got excited going down at your church going on here? And I, I'd have to tell them, we just got church going on on Sunday. That's all I can muster. <laughs> Preach it on Sunday. Uh, and those guys are no longer in the ministry, period. You have to do the work, and you have to preach the sermons. Amen. How do you do that? Well, I preach series, preach through books, expositional preaching. Uh, sometimes you preach through like the miracles of Jesus. You preach through the parables of Jesus. I started over a year ago grown-up doctrines in the children's Bible stories, and I would get children's Bible story books and get those Bible stories and go through and look at the grown-up doc. People love it. <laughs> keep it interesting. Keep it biblical. Keep it interesting. And keep it in digestible quantities. Amen. Keep it where people don't want to come back for more. And you might say, well... People just don't want to hear an hour-long sermon. Well, no. They don't want to hear my hour-long sermon. <laughs> so keep it digestible for them. But also we need to shepherd the sheep. That means we have to go into some uncomfortable places, guys. Go into the home where the man is terminally ill. You're going to be uncomfortable. You don't know what to say. Have your little talk with God before you get in there. You'll need to go to the home of the couple that's lost a little baby. They're going to have a bunch of questions, and you're going to think you need all the answers. Why would we be upfront and honest say, I've got more questions than answers too, guys. You'll have to go to the nursing hall. And I know a lot of people will say, well, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to be at the nursing hall. Do you think anybody that's in there wants to be in there? Right. <laughs> if you're a pastor at church, you have to go into some uncomfortable places because that's where your people are. 
in uncomfortable places. Go to the hospitals. I know COVID's changed a lot of that, but it's easy. Uh, go to the hospitals, go to the nursing home, go to where people have lost loved ones. Be willing to go there, shepherd the sheep, but also share their good moments too. Go to the ball games, go to the dance recitals if you have to. I know that you <laughs> Show up at least for a little while, they love you. <laughs> If you shepherd the sheep, you got to be with the sheep. You can't do that in your office. Yeah. If, it, if that's what it takes, you do your study late at night or whatever it takes, but go be with your sheep where they need you. In their hurts, their bad times, share some good times with them. Uh, that, that's what I would say as you look back over a long-term ministry. You feed the sheep. Good food. Consistently and shepherd the sheep. And in order for a shepherd to shepherd the sheep, he had to know them and he had to touch them. He had to be in contact with them. And it will never be an 85 job. If you're uncomfortable with an unpredictable schedule, you probably need to sack groceries at Brookshire's because it will not be predictable when you're in ministry. Right. If you're uncomfortable with that, you may you may not be called to the ministry because it's unpredictable. The phone's going to ring. It's going to ring after dark. It's going to ring after midnight. It's going to ring sometimes at six in the morning, but it's going to ring. Yep. Be ready for that. If you shepherd the sheep, you've got to be there for them. That's right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Doctor Goldberg. I want to go to your church. Let <laughs> <laughs> well, you be my pastor. <laughs> yeah, pastors need shepherds too, don't we? <laughs> we need somebody we can lean on. And, and uh, so, yeah, thank you to all these guys and, and what they've had to share with us already. Um, I want to uh, go to a question. I want you to be thinking of a question or two uh, that you might have. We want to open that up here in the last few minutes and give you that opportunity. But I want to go to one question. And I want to direct it first to uh, Brother Eric Johnson. And uh, he's been at First Baptist here in Jacksonville for a full year now. And so my question for him, and of course any of these guys can chime in as well, is um, what have you done in the first year to get to really know the people of your church? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, I, I, I had a little bit of a benefit there. I had been associate pastor at First Baptist before, several years ago, and so I knew a lot of them. But all that aside, knowing them and then getting to know them, yeah. uh, we 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 also had a lot of they were they were trying to finish up an incorporation. So those first four months were meetings, right? And I really got to know some of these people yeah. on a deeper level in these committee committee meetings, right? But uh, but beyond all that, we we really tried to make an effort and. Uh, I'm, I'm Hispanic, right? I grew up in Mexico, spent most of my life there. Social gathering, social type of environment. Tonight, we're going to go out to eat with uh, a couple, right? I, I canceled a, a meeting to be at this right now. Right? Just just being with people, like Brother Gold was speaking, that's it. You know, dinners, that's it. In their house, just drop it, you know. People don't always like you just drop by, so maybe call them ahead of time, but uh, spend time with them, be, be with them. And that, you get to do a lot of that in church, 
in a church environment, but that personal, social touch, I think, is really key in that. Yeah, very yeah. good. Any other guys? No. I'll also say, like Brother Goble said, it's, that, that's not a, that, that's going to mess your whole life up trying yeah. to do that, yeah. right? Uh, your, your church will, will, will be your life, in yeah. essence. Yeah, let me. Yeah. I'd like to say something about that too. This is where your wife has to yeah. also partner with you. And that's for one thing, Terry goes with me into some places yeah. where there are women in crisis. Um, but Saturday, I, I was so excited. Saturday, I actually got to thinking, I worked in my yard Saturday, which is relaxing to me. You know? yeah. Worked in my yard Saturday, and I was sitting there just kind of working on my sermon a little bit, thinking this is the first time I've had a day off while I'm working on my sermon, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, man, I, just, I got a day off. This is great, you know. And it's Saturday night, and I put my sermon away, and we're just watching some mindless TV. Phone rings, yeah. you know, 6.30 or so Saturday evening, and my wife's got to be okay with me leaving the house at 6.30 on a Saturday evening, and she is. And, um, you know, a lot of times she's like, no, I need to go with you. What do I, you know, what do I need to do? And, and so, you know, I'm gone for a couple of hours, had to go meet a family in crisis. And, um, and you know, that's all part of it. And, and by the way, I've heard of guys get frustrated with everybody wants me to go to their Sunday school class party and senior adults want me to come to this and that. Are you kidding me? You're going to eat the best food. That's right. And, and you're going to be in homes and you're going to get, yeah. get to know people and just see. And you can't make everything. You, just, you, you can't possibly be everywhere. But you can be at places. You just got to realize that it's not. It's not an invited man. You're coming in there just getting to know your people, and I think that's just Hey, very, very good. Yeah, just getting with your people. So, so important. You begin to develop those relationships, and uh, relationships that can last, you know, a lifetime. I'm still, you know, very much in contact with people from my first church in Arkansas. And uh, we just developed a lot of good rapport with them, and and just connect with them from time to time. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 good stuff. Brother David, brother David, stay with help. So we were privileged when we first got to Acton Grove. The church had just made a pictorial directory, so we had a pictorial directory and a list of all the church members. And so we started at A and went to Z. Mm. And I would challenge every pastor to get out a database or whatever that you've got your child, your church members and start at A and go to Z and don't miss anybody. Yeah. Don't make favorites either. Right. Don't don't say, well I'm gonna go visit Brother Jones, but you know while I'm over Brother Jones, and I love Sister I love Sister Smith, so I'm just gonna go drop by and drink some coffee with her, me and my wife gonna go over there. Don't make favorites. But make sure that you make everybody. And, and don't miss anyone. Good. In, in fact, I would prioritize going to the disgruntled. Amen. Yeah. I actually did that when I, you know, I've been there about a year, long enough to make some people mad. And I said to my deacons one day, I said, uh, <laughs> I said, hey, if there's any disgruntled people out there that you know of, let me know. And I, I spent about six or eight months with different deacons. And there was only like, I mean, there was maybe six or eight people, you know, so it was spread out. But I'd have a deacon come pick me up. He'd make an appointment for us, and we would go. And it is amazing how if you will go and sit and just listen, don't speak, just listen to somebody. They want to be heard. Because if you listen, you care. 
And honestly, I was able to win every single one of those over. Yeah. Now, I had one lady kept coming to see me, never won. You know, I finally had to say, well, we just need to stop having these meetings. <laughs> <laughs> so I meant to say this in my five minutes, and I, I you know, this, this is a problem getting a bunch of preachers together, right? It's a problem. Uh, we, 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 we are not God's plan to reach our community with the gospel. The Lord's church is. That's right. These, That's these right. people are. And believe in that. Right? Believe that God will continue to build his body and yeah. reach the world with the church. Man, just knowing, remembering that all the time, they are the plan, uh, it's encouraging to me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. This side. All right. Hey, let me ask you, do you have a question for these guys? You might be thinking pastorate or you're in a pastorate and you think of the mistakes you've made and things you want to do different. And uh, But we want to give you that opportunity. We've got a few minutes here, about five minutes. And uh, so anything from the congregation here that you want to ask? No, I'm not a pastor. All right, that's okay. You don't have to be a pastor to ask a question. <laughs> uh, how important, this is an unpopular topic, church discipline area and nobody ever knows it. Right. Nobody ever knows it. And a lot of times about the, the, the only time where the few times we've had to, to quote remove people off the roll, a lot of times they took care of themselves. What we did was they quit coming and their lifestyle was of course uh, so to the point where we would have done something and they would go join another Baptist church and we would just inform them we couldn't give them a letter of yeah. recommendation. Yeah. Now we didn't boot them out, but you couldn't recommend them. But it is important church discipline if you have people that are so out of line and will not come back. It is so it's a has to be a very big public outrage I would say not even small fraction but I think it is important but it should be handled as per the Lord's plan a lot of times it doesn't come to where you're dragging them up to the church to apologize I mean, yeah it's just I prefer to do it very discreetly and privately let me say we, we need to remember the purpose of church discipline is redemption and restoration right. Right. it is not punishment exactly I've been at Central for a little over five years, and I've probably been involved in, I'd say, 20 times that I've had to, with people to do church discipline. We've had to excommunicate people twice. Yeah. <clears throat> We're still in the process right now, some of these private conversations with two, with two different, different folks. But if you're not going 
to people to help them out of their sin and destructive lifestyles and their behavior that is destroying their souls. How can you be a pastor? I mean, you've got to love people enough to deal with that. And the, the I would say 98% of the people I've been through in you know, 30 years church discipline with, we've never had to go public. Right. Nobody knows about it. And what we do, it's awful. It's grievous. And at the same time, there's a, there's a sense of beauty about it. There really is. The last one, were you at the meeting where we had to had to do that? You know, we had to excommunicate a guy a few months ago. There was not a dry eye in the place. I could hardly get through it. I mean, I'm just weeping. And it was so, so difficult. And it needed to be done, and it was done in love, and he's mad and feels like he's victimized and been mistreated, and there's nothing I can do about that. But it was done with a room full of love toward this guy. <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, I, really, I just say amen. Th three instances this year already, right, where we where we had to address something in a discipline sort of way. Uh, one of them led to somebody getting saved, uh, and so <laughs> praise the Lord, and then and then baptized and, and really joined the church. Uh, another one, they they recognized their their mistake and went about doing, making that right, and then another one they left, right. So I, I think whether. The Lord is trying to remove people from the church, or uh, saving people, or reconciling people. God, God definitely works through that. And yet, it was in neither three of the cases was it. My brother Cole says, drag, drag them out in front of everybody, and that's all. Yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, like I said about church discipline, um, a lot of times, what I've noticed. In, I, in my context, I just say my context, is that um, a lot of times the church discipline is discipline, discipline in the area of the pastor more so than the church. I've seen more pastors excommunicated <laughs> than deacons. I've seen pastors kicked out of churches by deacons. I mean, kicked out of churches for uh, an extramarital affair by deacons who are having extramarital affairs. <laughs> and so I, I, I think discipline uh, has to be for everyone. Yeah. And I think if we develop the relationship, I think, you know, we, we kicking people out of church is not fun. No. But I think even if the person is not going to be a member of the church. When we discipline, we have to dis discipline with reconciliation in some way in mind. And uh, I think a lot of times, church discipline becomes about church preference. The things that we prefer in church over what the Bible says how we ought to be. And so, uh, paying attention, preaching the truth, and uh, as, as Pastor said here a minute ago, uh, if you're doing it, there ought to be some love sprinkled in somewhere. It ought to hurt us that we have a so-called brother or sister that will not repent. It ought to break our hearts. And it ought to make us want to develop a greater relationship with that person so that person can be discipled, even if they're not a member of the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, they still need to be disciple 
I got kicked out of a well, I got kicked out of a church one time because I hadn't paid no money in a while. <laughs> you know? uh, and, it, and it you know almost changed how I felt about church. But one guy from the church came, wrapped his own around me, said, Listen, uh, now I don't agree that you should be kicked out. But I also don't agree that you would be a Christian, love God, and God can have everything except your money. And so uh, I think that that's what we have. To, it has to be a, you know, a uh, an accountability and a love at the same time. And we don't need to pervert the scriptures in order to discipline somebody. We need to discipline them based upon what the scriptures say. Yeah. That came from Dr. Holmes. <laughs> hey, thank you guys. Our, our time is expired here, but that was a great question. Offered some great discussion up here and if you have other questions these guys are planning to stay up here for a while and some of you i know may have to get to class but if you have a question you want to ask one or two of these guys uh, they'll be hanging around here for a little bit yeah. once we're dismissed and uh, so keep that in mind let's stand together as we dismiss and uh, be sure to come and thank these guys for being here today and uh, these are busy men and they took time to, to share with you some things. Hopefully that will be very valuable for you as you continue in ministries or as you uh, begin a new ministry. And uh, so Dr. Atterbury, would you close us in a word of prayer, please?